Hey guys, welcome to this episode of the shit show of my 20s. On this episode, I spoke with Kristen and we talked about how she created Miss Designberry, her tips for using Etsy, how she uses Pinterest for marketing, and how she gets inspiration for her designs. We also talked about how she's pivoting her business right now during this time. I hope you guys enjoy listening. So thank you so much, Kristen, for joining me today. I would literally, really love to start at the beginning of your story. Tell me where you're from. Tell me what your journey's been like so far. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Um, so I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, and I've lived in New York for the last nine years. Um, currently in Long Island um, for the last six weeks. And I went to school for design um, and illustration and graduated in 2011 and moved to New York City where I had gotten a job, a really great job in advertising as an art director. It was kind of like a dream job scenario for me, truly. And I started that job and even with making pretty decent money, it was like I needed extra money just to you know be able to pay rent and have any lef- leftover money. So I had started an Etsy store right before I left school. So I kind of started putting my extra time after work on the weekends into that. And, you know, got some illustration and branding products up and um, eventually started slowly, slowly growing that to a point where I kind of was able to narrow down and niche down into the wedding market, which was just sort of like a budding part of Etsy. So I slowly, slowly just kept growing that for four years until 2015 when I left that advertising job and I started running Miss Design very full time. And what is it about design that drew you in? Have you always been doing sketches? Yeah, so uh, I come from a really creative family. My mom is an interior designer, and she owns her own business, and she has for basically my whole life. My dad was an architect for 30 years. Um, so I grew up like just super creative, like always coloring and drawing and doing craft projects and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, by the time I was in high school, I fully knew that I wanted to be like a graphic designer. And so I went to school in Delaware because I went to University of Delaware, which had a really great design program. And I mean, it kind of was, yeah, I was lucky. I always knew that that was what I loved. Were you like naturally good at drawing? Actually, so it's funny (laughs) because I'm an illustrator, but like hand drawing, sketching, like a charcoal sketch or a pencil, worst subject. I'm not naturally good at that. Mm -hmm. It's the only C I ever got in my life. Um... But that's why I was so drawn to digital illustration, which is what I do. It's because I have a real eye for design and like composing things and color and all of that. But I don't love putting pencil to paper. So using the computer to make my artwork and like being able to adjust and, you know, change things as I'm going to see it kind of come together was like the perfect art form for me. And tell me about when you joined Etsy. When did you join? What was it like when you joined And like, how did you hear about Etsy? Yeah, um, I joined in 2010. The first store I ever had was in 2010. It was so different. The Etsy's whole thing in 2010, which I mean, a lot of people won't remember this, but what they did was every day um, they would put a new, they would feature a curated board of, I think it was like 12 products. And it was just Etsy members who create these curated boards And then it would just, they would randomly feature one. So the whole thing was like, you wanted to get your product on one of those featured boards because then you could get a bunch of views and stuff. And so it was a very different um, sort of thing versus now where it's all about paid ads and 
Etsy's version of SEO. And it's just like a very different, um, a very different beast. And who introduced you to Etsy? That's a great question. Um, I definitely heard about it when I was in school because I was in school for design. And uh, so I was kind of surrounded in that community. And it was definitely something that people were becoming more and more aware of and you know, buying cool things from Etsy or talking about, you know, if they wanted to open their own Etsy shop. So I definitely found it, heard about it when I was in school. And like how many different sellers were there in 2010 compared to now? <laughs> was it like really small? I have no clue, but I will just say like back then what I sold, which was like custom um, guestbook alternatives, that was kind of the product I ended up focusing on. Back then, there was probably a handful, maybe four or five other sellers who sold anything similar. Now, I mean, there's probably thousands and thousands of people who sell that same product. So, I mean, it's got to be 10, 20 fold times the number of sellers. And what helped you starting off on Etsy? Did you do any other advertising besides Etsy? Did you do... Um, so, the first advertising I really ever started doing which was probably a few years into having my Etsy store was um, I, because I was in the wedding market, I, I paid to be like a vendor on certain wedding blogs because back then wedding blogs were really the, the way that you found wedding vendors, got wedding inspiration. You know, anyone planning a wedding was on all the big blogs, you know, style me pretty wedding chicks ruffled all the big ones. So for many years, that was really my advertising strategy was just, you know, you pay, you know, a hundred, couple hundred bucks a year, and then they would feature you as one of their vendors. Um, that's really not still our strategy at all. We have like one blog membership remaining, but that back then that was really uh, a really easy way for someone in the wedding industry to uh, get traffic. And how did you come up with your designs look like when you first started your Etsy shop versus now? <laughs> I, I hate like that. So <laughs> okay. So they were literally just a black silhouette of a couple, like, mm-hmm. A, a bride and a groom in side view silhouette form. And w- what we started with was um, they would be holding a bunch of balloons and the balloons were what people would sign on the guest book. Um, and they could customize the balloons to match their wedding colors. And then it would have their names and their wedding date. And then we could add in also like a silhouette of a dog or a cat. So that was what we started with. And if you look at our products now, it's like, I did just like not even this. It's just like barely the same thing, even though it is the same concept, but um, not only has our artwork evolved with, um, what our clients have asked for, but you know, you have to just keep up with the trends of the times and what people wanted 10 years ago for their wedding is not what people want now. So that's one of the big things is like, you, you can never feel like, well, I've found this perfect product and this is a popular product because you have to always be thinking two steps ahead of like how you're going to evolve that product. And with your Etsy designs, do you sell them on sweatshirts? Do you sell them on napkins? What kind of stuff do you sell them on? Um, yeah, so for our wedding products, we the main seller we have is our guestbook alternative, which is printed on like either paper or canvas. We actually just added wood and acrylic. But then people can use that same artwork, the same portrait of them. They can put it on napkins. Um, we're, we're actually rolling out like a whole new line of like cups and stir sticks and coasters. Um, we do koozies, which is really popular wedding favor. Um, stickers, hang tags. Um, and another really popular thing is we make, um, custom Snapchat filters with the couple's artwork, which is really fun. That's cool. Awesome. And do you know, do you think right now is a good time to start on Etsy? 
Yes. I think if you are considering, you know, you want to run an e-commerce business or you want to sell things, Etsy is a great place to start because what it lets you do is test out your product very quickly. You'll see one or two products will be the things that everyone's coming to your shop for. And that's going to help you inform your future decisions of, okay, well, what products do I think are going to work? And then you can test out variations of those. And it's a really good place to start before you start investing time and money and building your own website. But you can't let it go too far without also setting up your own website because um, it's just not prudent, you know, in 2020 to have your entire business on Etsy. If that business is something you want to see continue on for the long term, because you need to have sort of an insurance policy of your own website as well. And if you're just starting off, should you start off with one product? Should you start off with like a whole line? I mean, it's really up to you. Some people, um, the hardest part a lot of times for most creative sellers is they get frozen by this like feeling that, you know, their shop is never good enough to launch or their product is never, you know, they don't have the right product, this or that. So whatever, whatever you create that makes you the most excited, whether that's one product or a line of products, once you get the product to what I call like the the best, the best possible without having it be perfect. You just need it to be viable because once you get it out there and you're going to get feedback and you're going to get people who are asking for something slightly different and you will continue to evolve that, that product until it's something that really is like, you know, a really well created product that's based on, you know, what the consumers are wanting. And so really just get whatever you can out there. Maybe start with one product and continue to add supplemental products see what's selling, what's not, and then use that information to inform further products or product lines that you end up creating. And do you include like any notes, any like special things in your packages, any special wrapping? How important do you think packaging is? Yeah, we do. We have a little pamphlet actually that has like just kind of some information about other products we do, referral code in there. Um, And depending on what types of products you're ordering, um, yeah, we do stickers on the packaging. Some of our products have like some fun, um, like crinkle, um, kind of like peanuts, but it's like crinkle paper um, in our brand colors. And what else do we do? Oh, we include stickers in the box too. Yeah, we've done kind of all different types of things. Um, But yeah, we always try and make our packaging fun. And how important do you think packaging is? I think it is, it's definitely important. Um, I think one of the big things that I talk a lot about with, you know, anyone I know in the sort of who's an e-commerce seller or my clients or anything like that is um, just presenting an overall consistent brand front. So when someone's on your website or on your Etsy page or on your social media or opening a box from you, they should be met with the same sort of brand presence, the same colors, the same feel. So you just need to figure out how you want to translate what your branding is into your packaging. Um, And for some people, it could be really simple. It could just be a card, but some people might want to take it to the next level and, you know, have a box that's branded, you know, and have packaging inside that's branded. So um, as long as you're presenting a consistent brand image, how you want to execute that is really up to you and what you're willing to invest in terms of your packaging. And could you share the story about the time that your Etsy store got shut down? Yes. <laughs> this is kind of a catalyst for me that pushed me to really push my business off of Etsy and mostly onto our own website, which is a Shopify store. Um, so 2017, I was running my Etsy shop full time. I had many people working for me. Um, and all of a sudden one day I just 
woke up and went to check my Etsy shop and it had been shut down. No idea what had happened. Um, eventually I was able to figure out that, um, so my sister also at the time ran a very busy and successful Etsy shop and we had shared computers to log into our respective stores and a third person had also used my sister's computer to log into her Etsy shop. That third person had not paid her Etsy bill and therefore they had shut her store down. But the way that the Etsy sort of algorithm works in terms of determining like related stores, then they said, oh, well, these other two shops must also be related to that shop. And so they shut down my sister and my shop as well. So needless to say, it was extremely stressful. I was on like a trip at the time shooting a video for a blog. So it was kind of a nightmare because I had to go on camera all day. I was like dying inside. Uh, eventually, after a week of like calling Etsy and emailing and getting all this stuff and getting that third person to pay her Etsy account so they could reinstate her account, um, my sister and I were able to both get our shops reinstated. But um, that just really opened my eyes to the fact that I didn't actually have control over my business. And I was like, I have to change this now. And ultimately, it really took me almost a year. Um, we got a custom site built. I started working with a business coach. I worked with him for 18 months. Um, and I worked so hard to figure out, you know, how to drive traffic, how to everything you needed to figure out. Um, but after a year, we had moved 95% of our sales from Etsy to our uh, Shopify store. And can you talk a little bit about ODR? Yes. Um, so I'm no expert on it because I'm not nearly as involved in the Etsy world as I used to be, but just from all the Facebook groups and, um, sellers that I am in communication with, uh, it's basically something that Etsy has rolled out in the last few months where it's, it stands for order dissatisfaction rate. And it's a calculation based on a certain period of time. Um, how many items you sold in that period of time, um, against any, uh, outstanding cases that buyers have, um, filed against your shop and any, uh, reviews under, I believe three stars. So, um, it's really the most scary for people who aren't selling, you know, 50, 10 sales a day, but maybe just a couple sales every week or month, because that what that means is that it, it all it takes is one review or one um, case open against you. And um, if your ODR rating gets above 1%, then, uh, then they can basically shut you down. So it's really scary. Um, I think it's not, <laughs> I think it's honestly pretty crappy. Um, I think that Etsy's, you know, things have changed a lot in the last couple of years because they have shareholders now and they have to answer to um, something totally different versus when I started on Etsy and it was a small company that really, you know, was much more focused on growing, you know, their, their audience and growing and supporting the sellers versus now um, there's a much stronger bottom line that they have to answer to. So I get it. It's, you know, they've been pushing for free shipping on product for a couple of years now, which has been difficult for a lot of people. They've been pushing for two day shipping. That's really hard if you're making custom products. Um, and now the ODR, I think for a lot of sellers is sort of like the final nail in the coffin. And they're really realizing like, all right, they have to, they're going to have to switch gears and really start focusing on building their own brand off of Etsy. And do you have any tips for getting like five-star reviews? Did you put like a little note, like, please leave us a review or what'd you do to help encourage customers? to? Review? We never asked for reviews. Mm -hmm. um, honestly, we just always, so we have a, we're, we are all about like communication with our clients. And that's one of the things I also teach all my consulting clients is like, find as many points of communication as you can with your clients. So if you visit Miss Design Berry, like one of the first things you'll see is we have a live chat feature on our website. 
We answer our messages and our emails immediately. We, um, you know, we are like when we were on Etsy, it was, you know, someone messages us, we would try and respond within a minute, two minutes. Mm -hmm. We were just like super, super, super set on like super good communication. And if you look at our reviews, a lot of customers will mention that. So that's just been something that we've really focused on. Um, and I think that when people feel that they are valued and seen as a customer, even if there's issues with the product, because let me tell you, we've gotten amazing reviews from people who had a huge mess up on our end and we had to fix it. But if you are there and you're present and you're showing up for your clients and you're showing them that you're dedicated to fixing it, even if you messed up, that's when people really are like loyal to you. And that's what it's all about is, is loyalty and, um, you know, them feeling like they, they are invested in you as a brand. And why did you decide to go with Shopify? What perks did you notice of using Shopify? So actually, um, I had had other standalone websites before mm -hmm. we had our Shopify store. I had tried WooCommerce. We had done Squarespace. Um, and we had done, you know, a WordPress site. But uh, none of them were really able to accommodate the level of customization I wanted. And the other thing is like, as an e-commerce shop owner, I am constantly making updates and I'm always trying new things and changing things and testing things and trying to make our site better. And it was really difficult to make those changes on my own with those other platforms. But with Shopify, because of the way that Shopify has apps and this like really great network of like Shopify developers who you can like get to like help you in a second for a very low cost, it's a really good platform to be able to like, I have no coding or anything. Like I don't know how to build a website. I'm a designer, but I'm able to like make serious changes to my website whenever I need to for like, you know, free or nothing because of the apps and all of the functionality that's built in with Shopify. And I'd like to know a little bit more about how you went full time. Like how long did it take you to build your business to where you can pursue this full time? Yeah. So I would say I really started focusing on my Etsy shop in 2012 when I had just kind of moved to the city and started working and realized I wanted to kind of start building that. So from 2012 to 2015, so it was really about three years. Um, it started with me just working after work um, on the weekends when I was slow at work. <laughs> um, and in 2014, so I had been doing it for about two years. In 2014, I hired my first part-time help off of Craigslist. And that was when I was able to really start scaling. And so it was about a year from that point in 2014, took about a year until 2015. And I had set some goals for myself. I paid off all my student loans. I felt like I had a good nest egg in the bank. And I felt like I was making enough money from my Etsy store on a monthly basis that it could replace my salary. And I felt like fairly confident that that would remain consistent. Um, I always had, you know, backup plans B, C, and D, um, you know, going back to an ad agency or, you know, other things I could do. But um, I, I felt like I had to take the plunge and it was so worth it because in the first 12 months that I went full time, I quadrupled my sales and basically went from like 125 a year to like 600,000 a year. Mm -hmm. So th that, that switch in focus from, you know, doing it as a side hustle to doing it full time um, really quickly paid off for me. And do you think everyone should have a side hustle? I mean, if your day job is really fulfilling and you love it and, you know, you have, I have a kid now and I have to say, I don't even know that if, if I was in a position now with a kid who, you know, when I'm not working is really what I'm focusing on. Um, it could be a different story, um, especially young children. But I think if, 
unless you're really super fulfilled and um, feeling like you're getting, you know, real personal satisfaction out of your job, I see no reason why you shouldn't have a side hustle, not necessarily as a means of like economic support, but even just for like your own personal, you know, it doesn't have to be something that's going to make you a ton of money. Now, what's awesome about side hustles is a lot of times because it is a passion project, people are so excited and committed to it that it does end up becoming something more because that's how you make a business work is you have to be so excited that you're willing to spend the time after work late at night when you're exhausted, not watching TV, not relaxing, but working. And that's why I think side hustles are so cool because it's something that's totally optional and really should be something that you love so much. And that's why I think so many people find this crazy success because they're like, wow, when I started really applying myself to something I loved, it's, you know, it magically just started, you know, blossoming and it's not magic. It's just, you know, you being committed. I would love to know about how, um, running a remote team, what was that like, like not being there, not being present? In the same yeah, office. so that was definitely one of the hardest parts of leaving my full-time job. Um, I had such a community there. Like still today, a lot of my closest friends are from that job because it was my first, you know, real job. Um, and so when I started working remotely with my team, it took a lot of getting used to. I uh, I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know how to be in communication. I didn't know what was too much, what was too little, what was, you know, the appropriate amount of, you know, you know, being in contact with people. And so it's taken me a long time to figure it out. Um, Technology is amazing. And um, what our company looks like today is, you know, we use Slack constantly. Um, We have um, calls every week, um, sometimes on video, sometimes just audio. We use Zoom. We use a lot of Google Hangouts. Um, We text each other. We email each other. Um, I do use some certain softwares to allow my team to track their hours and, Um, So we rely really heavily on technology to let us stay in communication and building a team culture when you're not together is really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And so you have to work towards it really hard. I'm really lucky. I have everyone on my team is a woman Mm -hmm. and we're all pretty similar in age. So it's really easy for us to relate to each other and connect to each other. Um, Also, it's really easy for us to relate and connect to our clients because 95% of our clients are women in the same age range as us as well. So that has definitely helped us like as a team develop a culture, but we also, you know, we invent our own fun things. We have a designer call every Wednesday and we um, share our favorite work. Sometimes we, you know, have a theme, whatever it is. Um, So we definitely are creative in how we, um, how we bond as a team. Do you have any tips for working from home since everyone's like working at home right now? (laughs) Um, So I know a lot of people have been talking about this, but like I legitimately wake up every day, shower, get dressed, put on makeup, put on, because for me, it just helps me so much. Like I have to do that. My husband, exact opposite. He's been working from home for six weeks and he's like, I'm not putting on pants. I'm not doing anything. (laughs) So I think it's hard, but for someone who that's my daily life, um, that is just what I need. I need the routine. I make my bed every day. You know, I try and stay in a very, um, not too regimented, but I stay, try and stay in a pretty good schedule because that's what makes me feel like I am focused and having some separation between home and work. Um, now being home with a toddler has really changed that up a bit. (laughs) Um, but you know, I just have to be strategic. I work when he's napping, you know, I work 
a lot of my work gets done after six, seven o'clock now when he's in bed, which, you know, changes things as well. You know, that used to be my downtime and now it's sort of like my work time, but just have to make it, make changes and adapt wherever you can. And where do you get the inspiration for your designs? Um, I would say a lot of the inspiration for our designs, um, I, I really love, um, I, I use Pinterest a lot. Um, I also just love to look through, you know, our clients' wedding photos. Like, you know, we have a very specific niche of clientele. They are a little bit different. They're definitely a more unique, not super traditional. They're very, um, and a lot of them are very like committed to their pets um, and also just like really embracing their, you know, the things that make them sort of unique and different as a couple. And so I'm always trying to find ways to sort of elevate that in our work and, and show even more of our clients' personalities and who they are. So one of, honestly, our clients are just like one of our biggest inspirations because we love to see, well, what, what else did they do for their wedding? And how else, you know, if they did something cool, like one of our pieces of art, like what else did they do? And, you know, so it's just constant inspiration to have clientele who are, you know, so unique and different themselves. And if you're creating a product, do you recommend niching down? Yeah, I think one of the biggest mistakes that people start off with in a business is like trying to sell something to everyone. I don't know who said it, but if you're selling to everyone, you're selling to no one. And you'll see this even more so when you try and start advertising, because if you are trying to blanket, you know, everyone, you're not going to be actually reaching into anyone. So niching down as much as you can. And like every, I feel like every year of our business, we just keep niching down more and more. Um, and sometimes that can be by, you know, adding to the products or making the products you offer more specific. Sometimes niching down can also be your price point. Um, because when I first started out, you know, we had sort of a very wide range of price points in my mind. It was like, well, I want everyone to be able to afford a product from us. And one of the big things that came out of working with my business coach was the fact that we're not a product that everyone is going to be able to purchase or want to purchase for their wedding. And there's a very specific group of people who um, are want to invest in design like this for their wedding. Not even necessarily, it's not a question of can they or can't they afford it. It's who wants to invest this amount of money in a, in a product that's all about design. And then how do we find those clients? So price has been another way that we've really niched down in the last couple of years. And what pivots have you been making right now with your business during COVID-19? Uh, we've been focusing on, um, well, so first of all, we, um, have been offering a lot of like change the date, swap the date products, some free ones that are like templated and some more custom ones for people who want to send something kind of fun out to announce that they have to change their date. Uh, so that's the first thing because that just kind of naturally happened. Um, but we also have been focusing on more of the small business branding pieces that we do. That's not something we typically really highlighted or, you know, advertised to our customers. But now that the wedding purchasing has slowed down a bit, we've been highlighting that a bit more. And so that's been actually really fun, especially for my design team, because it's kind of different products that they're not used to designing every day. So that's been kind of the big pivot we've done. And tell me about your kids line. Yeah. So we just launched Kiki and Max this week. Um, and it's just like something that's been in the works in my brain for years, officially since August, 
And it makes a lot of sense for us because we have these clients who get married and, you know, they work really closely with us. We develop a relationship with us. And then the next phase of their life, they're starting their own family. They're buying their first home. They're having their first child and they want to keep working with us. And we didn't really have the capacity to do that with them. And so we did start offering, you know, some products, you know, gifts for first children, baby shower stuff baby announcements. And I realized that it was really hard to try and market that on the same website where we're trying to target engaged couples because they're just so completely different in terms of their demographics. So I made the decision last year that we would make a sister brand, Kiki and Max, and that would be um, sort of for our clientele from Miss Designberry, but in the next phase of their life. And so that is what it is. We have tons of fun gifts for families, lots of cool custom family artwork home portraits, family portraits, custom pet portraits in sort of a fun like alphabet style for like nurseries and kids rooms. And um, so, yeah, it's a very similar vibe to Miss Designberry, just for a slightly different demographic. And has any of the inspiration for that come from your toddler? Yes. So that's actually the name came from. So Kiki is what my toddler calls my mom. Mm -hmm. Uh, Her name is Nikki. So she's Kiki and Max is my son. And just seeing that relationship of my mom and my son and how connected they are, like we FaceTime like two times a day. And um, that is really what inspired me to to launch the brand um, and also what inspired the name. And how did you come up with Miss Design Barry? So uh, Barry is my maiden name. And I honestly, I just, um, I don't really know. It was 10 years ago, but I, I, I really liked my last name. I always loved it. I thought it was a fun last name. And so I wanted to incorporate that. Um, and I'm such a visual person that to me, I just wanted to, I wanted a feminine brand and I wanted Barry in the brand. And so I just ended up landing on Miss Design Barry because, you know, it incorporated the design and it had my name and then I just kind of stuck with it. And so that was, that's how we got that name. And for consulting, do you cons- when you consult brands or companies, do you consult them when they're just in the beginning phase, when they just have an idea? Do you consult them when they're already like an established business? Um, it's really both. I kind of do a couple different types of consulting. Um, I work with a lot of e-commerce brands who are looking to kind of take the next step and grow. Maybe it's something that started as a small side hustle and they've started to get more traction and they're ready to actually really start scaling. And I kind of help them look at what that path looks like. A lot of times it's through advertising and how, you know, how they're going to make an advertising strategy and execute that. Um, But I also do work with people who are more on the beginning levels of, you know, I think I want to start a brand or a product, you know, what, how do I even know what to do or how do I start? So it's kind of a range and I really tailor sort of what my discussions and focuses are on based on where the person or company is in their sort of business lifespan. And do you think people are still buying things right now? People are definitely still buying things right now. I mean, I was, I know we were just chatting earlier, but um, Pinterest is having like all time high searches and which Pinterest is something that I think is a super undervalued um, resource for e-commerce sellers as an advertising platform, both free and paid. um, And just as like a source of inspiration. So um, yes, Pinterest is on all time high for searches. I I mean, e-commerce is surging loungewear, apparel, 
a lot of different markets are having record high sales. So the opportunity is out there. You just have to be smart about realizing where you can fit in and how you can be marketing to people and what they might be needing now versus, you know, a few months ago or in a few months. And how often do you post on Pinterest? Um, well, we run promoted ads. That's majority of our budget for ads is through Pinterest. So we have that going all the time. And then we also are, you know, continually every couple of days, we are pinning different products to different boards and, um, to kind of keep our own inspiration flowing, but also, you know, everyone who follows us on Pinterest, we like to, um, always have unique and interesting content. And do you have any tips for growing on Pinterest or something that you know is that works well for you on Pinterest? Yeah. So there's a lot, Pinterest is awesome because it's evolved so much that you can go on Pinterest and you pin a couple things and you put in a a little bit of information about, you know, what you or your brand is interested in the types of things. And Pinterest literally is just going to feed you content. That's exactly what not only you, but anyone who follows you is going to be interested in. So it's so easy to go on Pinterest and spend 10 or 15 minutes a day, you know, whatever minutes you have, or you're on your phone, get the app on your phone, or you might just be scrolling through Instagram or Facebook just switch it in your mind to use that time to go on Pinterest and just pin 10 things. It's so easy. Um, and then there's also some really great apps like tailwind where you can schedule pins. So, you know, you pin 10 things on tailwind and tailwind's going to stagger them so that, you know, it's a more continuous spread out pinning of content, which is one of the more important things for using Pinterest successfully. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a really easy platform to understand and learn it's really easy to put content out there and it's easy to get followers. And what's the cost like for when you're comparing like Pinterest ads to Facebook ads to Instagram ads? Yeah. I mean, I think there's sort of different tactics for using Pinterest as an advertising platform versus using Facebook as an advertising platform. But I see Pinterest's value in using it as a platform to get your brand or product in front of a lot of people for a very low cost. Like you could spend $5 a day on Pinterest and easily get 50 clicks to your website. You know, you're paying 10 cents a click um, versus Facebook. You'd be hard pressed to spend $5 a day and get any kind of results that you feel like you're making any sort of forward progress. So it's a really great place for people, especially who haven't necessarily started or done any much with pay-per-click ads, um, to kind of start with a low risk, low budget and actually be able to see some results and get some feedback too on sort of what ads, images, copy, content, you know, gets results versus what doesn't. And is there anything you wish you would have known before you started your business? Um, is there anything I wish I would have known before I started business? The only thing I do wish I had been more, what's hard is when you're starting a business and it's something you just start as like, you know what, I'll just try this and I'll do this and I'll do that. You're not, you're not super thoughtful about, you know, building a foundation for what could become an actual business that's much bigger and has a much more, much higher level of operation. So certain things like bookkeeping and accounts and bank accounts and all of that stuff. Um, you know, I didn't necessarily set it up the right way when I got started because in my mind, I'm like, Oh, I'm just starting this like fun side hustle. Like who knows if it's even going to go anywhere. But the problem is, is that things just keep slowly, slowly creeping and growing. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh crap. 
I'm making $10,000 a month and it's coming into my personal business account and this really needs to get separated and you have to kind of scramble to figure that out. So I would just say, you know, take any steps you can, even if you're just getting started to make sure you're kind of setting up the foundations. Um, I, I, I say accounting and bank accounts because that's a lot of the problems and issues I have people asking questions about and see questions in Facebook groups, you know, separating taxes, incorporating your business, all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, just spend a little bit of time or maybe reach out to some people in your life who, you know, know about those areas to make sure that even if you don't, you know, open a bank account, you sort of have a plan in mind of like, okay, when I do get to that point, you know, I'm going to open this type of bank account and I'm going to do this sort of incorporation. Um, so have a plan laid out for yourself because it's crazy how quickly all of a sudden you realize you wish you could kind of go a few steps back and make things a little bit more legit. (laughs) Definitely. And what were your twenties like? Um, my twenties were, it's so funny because, um, I moved to New York with only having been to New York, um, a few times for like a day. And I moved to New York and when I had interviewed for my job, I remember um, meeting with someone who ended up being one of my bosses and she asked me a few questions and she's like, she's like, just like, no, like your entire life is about to explode. And at that time I had no idea what she meant. And like literally no one's ever spoken to her words to me because I moved to New York. Uh, all of a sudden I was like living on my own in Union Square, which was incredibly awesome. I had four roommates crazy. Um, you know, I was making money and it was like, it was, I made a lot of mistakes and I learned a lot of hard lessons, but it was honestly just that, I mean, I had the time of my life. I met my husband at a bar at 4am. <laughs> um, I made the best friends I still have today. Um, and sometimes I, it can be easy to look back and be hard on myself. You know, I shouldn't have been going out drinking till 4am on a Tuesday and a Wednesday night, or, you know, I, I wasn't always the best friend. I wasn't always, you know, I wasn't always the most responsible person. I even made mistakes in my business when I was very first starting it because, you know, my personal drive to be committed to my clients and my business was sometimes, you know, outweighed by like, yeah, I want to go out or I want to, you know, do something, whatever. But I have learned now that I'm in my thirties, um, that I, uh, to not be so harsh on myself when I think back to that time and I appreciate it. I think that, um, it was a really important time for me. Um, and I learned a lot of lessons, which I'm happy to have learned now in my thirties. Um, and yeah, so it was a time of a lot of growth and a lot of lesson learning. (laughs) And what advice would you give your 20 year old self? I spent so much time worrying about what my future would be like and would I ever meet the right person and this, that, and the other. And like, I mean, I know that that's just part of growing and developing as a person, but I wish I could have just let myself relax a little bit and know that everything would be okay. And are there any questions you wish I would have asked you? Um, not really. I thought this was, I mean, a pretty great interview. Awesome. Where can people connect with you? Um, so you can follow Miss Designberry well at MissDesignberry.com or at Miss Designberry on Instagram. My personal website is KristenMistoris.com. You can follow me at KristenMistoris on Instagram. And our new brand, KikiAndMax.com. And you can follow that at ShopKikiAndMax shop on Instagram. Awesome. Thank you. 
Thank you guys for listening to this podcast. If you know someone who might resonate with this story, please share it with them. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.